Good morning, Grace. I love to just uh, watch how just the atmosphere of the room changes from moment to moment. Um, I, I love the way that we are able to go from exalting God and experiencing His presence into sharing His love with one another. Absolutely beautiful. Uh, but I want to just, uh, I hadn't planned on this, but I really wanted to just pause for a moment and say a prayer. Um, I don't know if it's for one person or for, or for several, but that when we were saying that um, the Waymaker... That, that resonated just as we were saying, even when I can't see, even when I can't feel, that God, you're there, you are there. You know, and one of the challenges, I don't know about you, but um, if you've experienced this, I have, but I've been in a room where the atmosphere is like it is. The people engaging in God and you see people being touched and I'm feeling nothing. I've been in that place where where I want to see God and I'm looking, I just don't see. But I want to encourage you to embrace the truth of that song, that God is there in the midst. And even when you don't see, even when you don't feel, He is present and He is working on your behalf. You know, I've, I read something, and it's a painful word, but um, that there's times that God trusts us with His silence. Where it's only faith that we can embrace. And he gives us that faith if we'll just ask. So I want to pause for, again, maybe, it, I don't know, maybe you feel some of that. Maybe you're going through some of that right now. We just, uh, we want to lift you before the throne right now. Father, thank you, God, for your presence that is here. God, we thank you that, again, before any one of us stepped into this room, that you were already here. But God, we thank you that, according to your word, when two or three gather in your name, that you are in the midst. So God, we thank you that you are in the midst of us. God, we thank you for the way that you are pouring out your spirit. But God, we lift one another before you. And God, we especially pray for those individuals that right now are struggling because they're not seeing and they're not feeling. God, we pray that you would impart to them a gift of faith to simply trust you. God, to look back and even look back in your word and look back in, in their lives or possibly the way they've seen you work in other people's lives and to know that you are currently present and currently active, even if not seen or felt. God, we just pray for that faith to keep looking up. God, to reach out and, and embrace strength and encouragement from those around them. Lord, we thank you that you care for every one of us with such an incredibly deep, eternal love. God, be glorified in every one of our lives, every one of our lives this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, God is good and he cares about you. I hope you can embrace just to some extent how valuable you are in God, because I don't think any of us can fully understand that. We're worth so much more to him than what we can, can conceive, but he's going to keep, as we allow him, he's going to keep showing us that you are worth so much, that you have a value that is immeasurable. I have the privilege today to, uh, to wrap up uh, this uh, four-week series on spiritual gifts. And uh, as I said, as we wrapped up Philippians, you know, a series is a time of focus where we look at a particular um, book of the Bible or a certain topic, and we're focusing on that because we want to learn, we want to grow, we want to understand, but yet when we leave the series, we don't want to leave those things. We want to carry those things that we've learned, those things that we've experienced with us so that can, continual growth can happen. So, you know, one of the, the travesties, that, travesties that could happen would be as if you know, this being our fourth week of studying spiritual gifts, that we would say, yes, maybe I know more, maybe I see some different perspectives, and then we just walk away. You know, what God desires is for us to take the truth that he's showing us, to take the truths that, that he's imparting to us, and for us to carry them with us. And that, what, you know, maybe God's starting to stir some things in your heart about spiritual gifts. 
pick it up and run. Run forward with what, what he's showing you, with what he's revealing. It's a little ironic to me because I'm, I'm wrapping up this four-week series. Uh, so there are three weeks before this, obviously, and I missed two of those weeks. Very unusual. We were out of town, and um, I was like, <laughs> how do I wrap up a series? I've missed most of it. The last week was, only, it was the only one we were here. The only reason I'm telling you that is that I was able to go online and to pull up the sermons and to hear them and to take notes and to study and to gain from those first two weeks. And that tool is available to all of us. So I would encourage you, you know, if you miss a week to, um, to reach out and to take you, make use of that tool. And even for a message that you've heard, a lot of times when you hear it again, it, uh, it brings other truths out. So I'm going to start with a very, very brief summary of spiritual gifts. And it's a definition. Spiritual gifts are, ready? Spiritual. And they are gifts. Let's close in prayer. <laughs> Seriously, it's there. It's all there. Spiritual gifts are spiritual and they're gifts. Now, it just happens to be that this is a great Sunday for you and for me because I've actually written a book. It's going to be for, available for sale uh, after the service, and it's called Spiritual Gifts for Dummies. And it's, um, you just read the whole book right here. <laughs> this is it. No, I didn't write a book. It's, it's not there. You guys aren't dummies, so I wouldn't have sold anything. But, um, but this is something that I want us to embrace because it's so simple yet so profound. Not because I came up with it, but because God gave it that name. They're spiritual gifts because they're spiritual. That means they're not of man. They're not natural. They're supernatural. Their origin is of God himself, spiritual, of the spirit. So they're imparted to us to, uh, to do what we cannot do on our own. Okay, it's not... Uh, it, it's not, they, they're spiritual because they're not given so that we can just do what we can naturally do. They're given because they empower us to do and to be what we cannot be apart from the Spirit of God. So they're spiritual. They're, he is the source and he is the nature of who he is comes with those gifts. And the second thing is that they're gifts. You know, and sometimes the hardest thing we can do is to receive a gift. Now it's odd because a lot of times when we give a gift to one another, it's real easy to receive. A lot of times we know what's behind the gift, the reason for the gift. We might even have an idea what the gift is. But with God, his gifts are so much greater, but yet we can have a hesitancy to receive what he is freely giving. So we want to encourage you to embrace that, that, again, spiritual gifts are spiritual and they are gifts. They're gifts from God that are intended for every one of us. This isn't a gift that just some of us are being offered. It's, they're gifts that every single one of us, every individual here is being offered. Now, as far as gifts... A lot of times they come in a wrapping. So uh, this is a small gift box that's wrapped. And when you look at it, um, there's some things that probably started to go through your mind. Like, I wonder what's in there. You know, like uh, sometimes the wrapping will attract you to a gift. And sometimes the wrapping, uh, you're kind of disinterested. But the potential of the gift that could be in this box, uh, it could be a refrigerator magnet. <laughs> it could be a key. A key to what? A key to a car, a key to a house. Um, I actually looked it up to see if it's possible. It could be a $300,000 engagement ring. It is not in here, okay? <laughs> but, but the thing is, with a gift, again, it's not a complete exchange. If the gift is given, but it's not received, it's not a complete exchange. The thought was behind it, good intention. There was maybe even great sacrifice. But if it's not received, it's the, 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 the interaction is not complete. But here's the reality, is that when we talk about spiritual gifts, they are of far greater value than anything that I just listed. In fact, they're of greater value than the whole planet and everything that is in this world because they are supernatural. 
They're from God. And spiritual gifts are intended to be used by God to impact us and to impact others for eternity. That goes beyond. It's, that's immeasurable. There's a value that is being offered to us in spiritual gifts that, um, that, again, just goes beyond what we can even comprehend. But I want you to embrace the reality of that value. I want you to embrace the fact that it is for you, that God has spiritual gifts for you. And I encourage you to open your hand and to receive them. But as we talk about spiritual gifts, there's another gift that I, I have to address, and it's the gift of salvation. The spiritual gifts, when, we, when you look at it, are intended uh, for the building of the church. So we think spiritual gifts are for believers. But in, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus makes a statement that has been a statement that's been very concerning to me. Honestly, it's been a troubling passage for me just because of, of, of the truth that, God, that Jesus is sharing in it. So in Matthew chapter 7, begin with, beginning with verse 21, Jesus, Jesus himself says these words, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, when are the kingdom of heaven? But only those, those, the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Not everyone, this is the words of Jesus, who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say, and that's the phrase that's really got me, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And this is Jesus' response. Then I will plainly, will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Wow, that's hard to wrap your mind around, isn't it? They're saying the miraculous things that were done, that, that they were used in the name of Jesus to drive out demons, to do these miraculous things, but yet they didn't know God. Now, it's sobering. It's very sobering. And I wanted to address it because that, you know, if we seek spiritual gifts and we want to be used in powerful ways by God, that can happen, but we can still miss out on eternity with him. As he said, these are the ones who enter, those who do the will of my Father. The will of the Father is that all would come to salvation through Jesus Christ. That that gift is being freely offered to all, and that is the priority. That is the greatest gift that we can possibly receive, and that Jesus is offering to every single one of us, the gift of salvation. This room is, I know there are lots and lots and lots of people in this room that have received that gift. But there may be some that have not yet received that gift of salvation. Maybe you've had, had it offered to you before. It's being offered again. Jesus is being offered to you again. That Jesus came, the Son of God came to this earth. And he lived a sinless life. He died a cruel death on that cross. That death was not for anything he had done. He was perfect. But yet he took upon himself all of our sin. He became sin for us. While we were still sinners, he, he died for us. And Jesus, the, the wages of, of, of sin is death. And he bore in himself the wages, the payment that we deserve. They didn't just die, he rose again. And he conquered sin, death, and the grave. And now he offers himself to all who will believe. Scripture says that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that we'll be saved. We believe that, that God has risen him from the dead. We declare him as our Lord. So it's a confession in the mouth, but it's a belief in the heart. And a belief in the heart changes life. When we accept Jesus Christ into our lives, we're not then told, okay, now be good. No, the, the greatest good God himself is living within us, and he will give us the power to live a righteous life. But we still don't earn it. It's a gift. Salvation is a gift. So we're going to just bow our heads, and, and right now, if you have not asked Jesus Christ into your life, now is your moment. God set aside this time right now for you.
to pray that prayer and to accept Jesus Christ into your life. And I encourage you, right after the service, maybe even before it's over, you confess him. Share, share that confession with somebody. Your life can be transformed. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, thank you so much, God, for your matchless love. God, that you love us with a love that goes beyond our comprehension, and you love us with a love that you're constantly revealing to us. You're giving us a capacity to understand and to receive and to move in your love. God, we thank you that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to pay the payment for our sin. We thank you that you did what we could not do, that our death was simply payment that we deserve. His death was payment that gives us freedom. So God, we, uh, we just lift anybody in here, God, and maybe it's multiple people right now that are accepting the work that you have done, applying to their lives, confessing that without you, they cannot be right with you. Without the work of Christ, they cannot be in right standing with you. So God, I thank you that you're offering that life to all who will receive. Thank you right now. God, for your touch. God, for your healing, for your saving touch. Through Jesus Christ, we are brought from death to life, from darkness to light, from eternal damnation to eternity with you. God, we rejoice in what you're doing even right now. We rejoice and give you honor and glory. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Father, we pray that those who have embraced you will now confess you and will walk in your power, will will join in community in a way that will strengthen their faith and will lead them to a life filled with your blessing. Thank you for your goodness and for your faithfulness. And God, we just ask that you would continue to lead us through this time. And God, I thank you for your presence here. I thank you for your great love. God, may your word be unfolded to each one of us, that we would hear and receive that which you would have us uh, to bring into our lives, not just to know, but to be transformed by your power. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Um, I'm going to just, uh, I was going to do a quick review, but I'm just going to point back to the last three weeks and say, hey, if you've, if you've taken notes or if you want to go back, I really encourage you uh, to take in, again, the, the messages that have been given. Pa- Pastor Jeff laid the foundation, and I do want to share this verse because it's the foundational verse, the verse that we're going to be looking at today. When he started three weeks ago, he said the serious purpose uh, is taken from Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 13, where it says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And, you know, it's so important that each one of us understands that we have purpose in the body, that God has, there's value in us, and God is giving gifts to us specifically. And there's a packet that's, uh, that was presented uh, at that service, and it's out at the, the Connection Center, if you would like to pick that up. Give you information on how to even uh, reach out and to uh, discern in the process of, of growing and understanding and, re- and receiving your spiritual gifts. And then two weeks ago, Alex uh, focused on uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and 13. And it was how God gives us spiritual gifts to empower us to bring, build, and send. Incredibly powerful message. I encourage you to, to even go back and again listen, listen through that and how uh, Alex took us through that, those passages. And he landed in love, ultimately, because so many times we can look at spiritual gifts and we can look at the miraculous move of God, but yet, you know, it's all centered in love. 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 talk about spiritual gifts in the middle of it all is love. And without love, we're nothing. So then last week, um, Ben helped lead us, again, in preparing to use his gifts, calling us to open our eyes to the mercies of God, to present ourselves completely and wholly to him. So today, we're looking at the people factor of spiritual gifts, and we're going to be looking, if you want to open uh, your Bibles, uh, I'll have the scriptures up, up on the screens as well, but 
from Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 16, uh, is where we're going to be focusing our attention. So as a prisoner of the Lord, Paul says, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So let's look at these three verses and see how Paul encourages, encourages us to responsive living. So again, that phrase right there, live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Live a life worthy of the calling you have received. That means, again, that we're not living in a way to try to earn something, but we have received from God a calling, and our living is then a response. There's a difference between trying to, to live in a way to earn somebody's love, and there's a huge difference between that and living a life because we know we are loved. And that's really what, what, what Paul's saying, again, is that you're, you're being offered, you've been given this life, now live a life worthy of it. He's not calling us to live that life worthy in our own strength, but according to the power that he gives us. And then these virtues are pointed out. He said, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. These are huge calls because of the virtues of God that we're seeing here. And again, we can't do that on our own. We need his strength, but he's calling us to live a life worthy of, of the calling that we've received. And these virtues are going to be there. So again, we can't do that on our own, but we can through the power that, that God gives us. Then moving on to the next uh, four verses, Paul says this, there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each, of, each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Now, what word do we see standing out here? One. One. God is one. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Trinity is one. Three persons existing in one. And when God creates, he creates in his nature to look like him. So what he's calling us to is that, you know, live out who I am. Let who I am flow through you. So... Within this, you can see that the Trinity is there. One Spirit's listed. Then a little bit later, one Lord and one Father. The Trinity is all nested in there and saying, you have to live a life worthy of calling, live as one. Now, the thing is, is that it also ends, ends there with each one of us, to, to each one of us, grace has been given. So we're individuals. It's not negating the individual. In fact, die, God died for the individual. Okay? You individually are so important to God. You're imp we're important to one another. But we're to bring our individuality together and to live as one. So when it says that there is one body, this is, this is an analogy that has been used already in the teaching on spiritual gifts, that the body is many parts, very, very different, but all working together. And this is a miraculous thing when you look at the human body, how God has made it, and he uses this as an example to help us to understand one body. We're so different. We have different functions, but yet we're meant to work together as one body. Then it, it says, says again, the second thing is that there's one spirit. God is spirit. And speaking here of the Holy Spirit, uh, there is one hope to which we were called. The hope is in Jesus Christ, the eternity with God through, through Jesus Christ and through relationship with him. Uh, there is one Lord, it's Jesus Christ, that the name, at his name, the name of Jesus Christ, every knee will bow. He is the Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord, and there is only one. There's one faith. So there are many beliefs, but there's only one faith. There's only one way to God, and it's through Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father, but by him there is one faith. There is one baptism. That baptism is speaking, again, of our identification or public proclamation of, 
of receiving Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, and that baptism is one baptism. It's being baptized, identifying with the death of Jesus Christ, and being brought up from the water in identification with his resurrection. If you've professed Jesus Christ, you haven't been water baptized, there's an opportunity coming up in just a couple months where you can be baptized, but there is one baptism, is that baptism in Jesus Christ, one God and Father of all. He is sovereign, he's supreme, he is over all, he is through all, and he is in all. That's the ever-present God, ruler of the universe. So there's only one. But then he specifically speaks, and to each one, to each one of us, each one, okay, has have been given a gift of grace as God has apportioned it. So God is giving to us individually, but it's again so that we can display that oneness. Now let's, um, we're going to read on then through the rest of the verses of the focus passage, verses 8 through, uh, through 16. So Paul continues again in verse 8, and he says this, This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he, he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave. Christ himself gave. What did he give? He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men or of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now, two weeks ago, I had the opportunity to share, um, we had a, a group, a series of meetings. It was four nights. Uh, they're called Encourage, and they were um, put on, or put together and sponsored by Partners for Transformation, local group of pastors that uh, I'm very privileged to be part of. Um, and what was really wild is that uh, when we had that, I was, we had been planning for, for weeks, and, and the passage that I was, uh, I was assigned was this passage. So two weeks ago on that Sunday evening, I shared from this passage. And God had been stirring some things in my life. The funny thing was is that before I left the campground that night, I got a text from Pastor Jeff, and he said, said, Mark, would you be able to take the service in two weeks? Uh, Jeff and Tracy had some things come up, and they, he wasn't able to be here. So I accepted that. Well, later on in the week, I wondered, I don't know what I'm speaking about. Guess what the passage happened to be? Exact same passage. It was just, it was absolutely miraculous that God had put those things in alignment. The reason I share that with you, though, is that often as we're walking through life, God is working intimately in us. And preparing us for what's to come, and we don't even know it. So, you know, what we're called to do, though, is to walk faithful. Walk in the way that he's leading you. And he will reveal uh, so many times, again, what he has prepared you for. But as I was preparing for that night, a verse jumped out, to, out uh, at me from this passage that I really didn't expect. It was the word work. Uh, work just, just uh, again, it sprung out of that text. And what I shared that night, I'm going to, uh, to share uh, similarly. So uh, for those that... Uh, that were there. Um, There's some other things that God's been sharing, so I trust that you'll still hang on and hear what God has to say this morning. But when we look at work, we have a tendency to fall into a dangerous place. And that's why I want us to look at this uh, foundational text that it wouldn't hurt us to every day <laughs> read through this and to keep this forefront in our mind because it deals with, again, the gift and work. It's a beautiful 
um, unfolding, again, of the truth of God, of salvation, uh, but then also that, that living out and living a life worthy uh, of our calling. So this is two chapters earlier. Uh, Paul says to the church at Ephesus, uh, he gives this statement, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, or his handiwork, his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So this lays the foundation is that we are not saved by our works. We can't be. Our works are not sufficient. If they were, Christ would not have, not have needed to come. But we're saved again by grace through faith, through our belief. It's not of works. We can't earn it. We didn't, we didn't deserve it. We, there's no way that we can earn the salvation that we have. But we're saved then so that he can work through us. We're God's handiwork. We're his workmanship. Created in Christ to do good works, for God pre- which God prepared in advance for us to do. So when we look at the text, again, from Ephesians chapter 4, in verse 8, it says this, that, uh, that when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. In verse 11, it says, Christ himself gave. So we're talking about what God has given, and we're looking at the work of God through our lives. So what we're going to be looking at are, are three things. It's, uh, it's God, all of them are God working through us, and all of them involve one another. Okay, I want to say it again. All of these are God working through us, and they involve one another. So in this passage, there are three things that really stood out to me. It's God working uh, through us for one another, God working through us with one another, and God working through us loving one another. So this summary slide is is basically the outline for this passage that, again, it's God, it's Him working through us, we're conduits, for one another, okay? God the source working through us as conduits with one another. And God, the source, working through us, loving one another. So this passage, again, it points to the work, but it's the work of God. It's him working through us. It's for one another, with one another, and loving one another. So the first part, uh, there's first two verses, again, that that Pastor Jeff laid as the foundational text uh, for the series. Uh, Verses 11 and 12 say this, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up. So this is God working through us for one another. As the almighty supernatural God is working through us as his channels, it's for one another's benefit and for our growth. So this statement, I think, um, kind of pulls it together a lot of what spiritual gifts are about. They're, it's about people. You know, God can work apart from us, but he chooses to work through us. There are things that we can do and we can say that's God's hand and no person was involved. But he chooses to give spiritual gifts. He chooses to use us as people for the working of his kingdom. So Christ gave people for the equipping of people who will serve people. What's the focus? It's people, right? It is people. That, that again, Christ gave people as gifts for the benefit of equipping people so that people can serve people. It's, it's the beauty of, of, again, how God chooses to invite us into partnership with him. It's an absolutely amazing thing that he would choose to do this. So again, it's all about people. So we look at that verse. So Christ himself 
gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. This is often referred to as the fivefold ministry. And when you look at like spiritual gifts analysis, a lot of times these are grouped together and, and are sometimes called foundational gifts. So foundational gifts were used. First of all, it's the gift of people. Did you notice that? That God is giving people as gifts. So there's people, again, they're specifically called our apostles, uh, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So, um, so he's giving these people as gifts. And what they're, these, these gifts together, they were foundational uh, in establishing the early church. Okay, when the church was first started, these five gifts existed and were used for the foundation of the church. They're also absolutely critical and necessary today for the existence and for the continued growth of the church. So it's, I trust it's been obvious to you as we've gone through this series is that we believe fully that spiritual gifts are for today. That the gifts weren't just something that God used in, in, in the birth of the church and while the apostles were living, but they're gifts that are continuing and will continue to be used by God for the building of the church and the extension of his kingdom until Jesus Christ returns. The gifts are for today. So these gifts of people are also for today. So I want to just go through quickly and just uh, touch on what each one of these, that the primary functions are. The apostle is one who is sent out, one who is called out with a message. And the apostle is often a person who, uh, who God uses to plant a church, uh, to oversee a region, to, to bring different ministries together. Um, so they're used in, in, that, in that, um, that function, okay? That's the apostle. Now, these gifts, you may notice, is that it's not, um, not necessarily that one person may have one gift. As we've said, God may give you multiple gifts. So people can be functioning in different gifts. Okay, but the apostle is, again, the sent out one. The prophet is one who, who hears the word of God and then proclaims or declares it. Okay, so they receive, a, it's a divinely inspired message, and they're used as a mouthpiece then to share that message with others. Now, prophet could be, a, could be a word of encouragement. It could be a word of revelation for the future. It could be a word of correction. Uh, prophets, um, if you look in the Old Testament, it's not an office you desire, because often the outcome is very difficult. But they're speaking words, again, that have been inspired by God. Now, the thing is, is that every word that a prophet speaks need to, needs to be in alignment with Scripture. Okay, there's never a word that a prophet's going to give that uh, would be contradictory to Scripture if it's of God. Now, I want to say here is that um, some of these things we can be a, a little concerned to move in. I'll tell you, because the thing is, is that there's a possibility that when any of us move in a spiritual gift that we could mess up. We're, we're fallible. You know, we can, with good intentions, sometimes do the wrong thing. And, and the thing is, what I want, want to tell you is that there's grace in the body of Christ for us to make mistakes together and to grow together. Amen? Amen. Yes. It, you, we want to believe it for somebody else, but can I believe it for me? Okay? So if I'm going to step out, I'm feeling the Holy Spirit prompting to do something, there's a chance I could be wrong. But you know what? I'm in a community that loves me. If I'm wrong, people are going to let me know. They're going to speak and say, hey, I really, my spirit doesn't bear witness with that. Let's talk about it. And do you know what? There's forgiveness, there's redemption, there's growth. So the thing is, is when we're stepping out, it feels uncomfortable. And I really felt this deposit today because, felt, you know, whenever we step into something new, especially something that is unknown, it can feel uncomfortable. But when we're talking about spiritual gifts, the comforter, the Holy Spirit is stepping with us. That he is coming alongside. So when I'm, again, it's going to feel uncomfortable whenever we step into something new, but the Holy Spirit, the comforter is with us and he will help us. So next is evangelists. Evangelists are those that have a burning passion to see the lost come to know Jesus. 
I mean, they're, they're, their heart is for those that are unsaved. And they've been given a special gifting that when they share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others, people respond. So that's the work of the evangelist. The pastor, actually, you notice and is there. It's pastor and teachers. So that and in, in the Greek is actually a word that connects those two giftings. So some people say it's not really a fivefold, but it's a fourfold uh, gifting. But pastor is the one, a uh, good word to describe pastor is shepherd. One who cares for the flock, leads the, shop, the flock, goes out searching for the sheep that's gone astray. So that's the pastor. He's a shepherd, and overseer. Uh, the teacher is one who has been, been uh, given the privilege of, of bringing the scripture and unfolding it, bringing explanation, understanding, and application to our lives. Now concerning a uh, teacher, even as I speak this, I have concern because James in, in James 3.1 warns us. <laughs> he says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with, stri- with greater strictness. So with these gifts, it, there is a responsibility, but you know what? I'm willing to step out in this because that's what God has called me to, and he'll empower. And that's true with all the gifts, is that what he calls us to, he then empowers us to complete. So these people, these, these five, or again, the, the pastor and teacher combined, uh, these people, they're giftings that are to equip the church for serving one another in the body of Christ. So even when people are working in their giftedness, it doesn't mean that the gift is always received. Please know that every gift needs to be ministered in humility. It's not about the person. It's about the person of Jesus Christ. It's not about the individual. It's about God. Okay? But the thing is, is that we need to see, God's calling us to see, is that these who have been given, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, are for equipping us as the church to build us up so that we can serve. This is supernatural. I mean, it's spiritual. These are spiritual gifts. And this is, again, how God is choosing to work in and through the church. And how long will this happen? So this verse 13 is so cool, I think, because it starts out with, with the word until, okay? God is giving these gifts to the church for the building up of people to serve people until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of, of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their, in their deceitful scheming. So what this, this verse is pointing to, again, is that until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, this is that second point, God's working through us, okay? God's working through us with one another. We're in partnership together. You know, and so many times, you know, it, it's sad because we get in our own way. You know, God's created us uniquely and, and distinctively, and, and so, so we're different. We're supposed to be different but we're to be working as one. We're to be working with one another. Him working through us, but us working with one another. So again, that's, that scripture starts, until we all reach unity. So this is a perpetual work that God's gonna keep doing because we're not gonna have perfect unity here, but, but we're moving toward it. And one day we will be one in a way that goes beyond what we can comprehend. When we step into his presence, the body of Christ will be completely fulfilled. It's absolutely incredible. But all these things are things that are to be happening ongoing in our walk with God. So again, it's until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. God is leading us in this way. God is going to continue to use spiritual gifts, use people to help people so that we will grow maturity, that we'll become more and more like Christ. And this is going to continue until he returns which could be soon. 
could be really soon. But this work is in process. It's the church being built up as God has called it to be built. So we work with one another to build up one another in the unity of the faith. You know, there are a lot of differences in uh, what we call secondary beliefs. There are things that we don't all agree on the- theologically. And honestly, it's one of the beauties, the great beauties that I see here at Grace is that there are differences that don't divide. That there's a unity of the faith, the foundation of salvation, again, through Christ and the work of Christ, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Doesn't mean, though, in every detail we're going to agree. In fact, there's differences that often, have often caused, called division when Christ is calling us to unity. There's a unity of faith. And there's a unity, again, in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So this is how we mature. This is how we grow. And it's what keeps us from being immature. It's what keeps us from being pulled aside to ways that are not, not true and being deceived. It's as we together, you know, again, allowing God to work through us with one another. It's that protection. It's that way, again, that helps us to mature and grow. Before I go into the third, I'd like to just focus on those first two words again. The first one is, is that is working for one another. The second is working with. And those two words have, certainly have application where we're talking, within the body of Christ. But I want to encourage you to consider this. Every person that you see, see them as somebody that you're working for or you're working with, not somebody that you're against. This has been a conviction in my heart, and, and thankfully God's brought it back that I can share it with you and remind myself. Because, you know, if somebody is not in the body of Christ, or if somebody's in the body of Christ and they're in opposition to you personally, that's a person that you're not working against, but you need to be working for, because God is for them. Do I want to be working against the hand of God? Anybody? I don't, but I find myself doing that, because God opposes the proud, and pride rises up within me. But every person that we look at, we should be able to look at them and say, I'm for you, or I'm with you. Fortunately, within the body of Christ, we can say both, right? I'm for you, brother. I'm with you, sister. You know, so, but, but let it be our mantra for, for life to, to be for and to be with people, but never against. Never against. So the third thing then that we're looking at is revealed in um, verses 15 and 16. Instead, speaking the truth in love. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So this, again, is God working through us, loving one another. God working through us, loving one another. So again, instead, speaking the truth in love. Now here, again, it's... It's how spiritual gifts can often get a bad rap when spiritual gifts are utilized, but love is lacking. When a person may even call themselves out to have a certain spiritual gifting, but love is lacking. I'm not saying that in judgmental way because we all lack love, but yet love should always be our goal. You know, as uh, Alex demonstrated two weeks ago, we can do supernatural things, faith to move mountains. We can speak with angelic tongues. We can give our bodies to be burned over missing love. It's nothing. Nothing. God is desiring to work through us, loving one another. We're called to speak the truth in love, and so often we're pursuing truth and avoiding love. It doesn't say that we're not to speak the truth. We are called to speak the truth. but We are called to speak the truth in love. And then 
Paul gives this great, to me, I feel it's this exciting revelation of what will be. He said, speaking the truth in love, we will grow. We will grow. Not maybe we will. Not possibly we will. But he says, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Paul's saying this isn't an experiment. You know, God's doing his thing and he's doing it and it's going to happen. Speaking the truth in love, we will grow in every respect to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, from Christ, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part, as each part does its work. The body of Christ needs you. I'm not saying that to some. I'm saying that to all. The body of Christ needs you. God is desiring for every one of us to find um, what he's called us to be and what he's called us to do and use his power, not our power. Allow his power to work through us as each part does its work. You're, you're one of those each parts. I trust. And if not, again, the opportunity is still here. Become part of the body of Christ through salvation. The church will grow, will become a perfect body. You are so important to the process. The first week, Pastor Jeff, you know, shared that we're each of infinite value. I can't speak it enough. You matter. First and foremost, you matter to God. But you matter to what he wants to do, what he is desiring to do. It's in the process of doing in this world through his body. We need to walk in a way worthy of our calling. The rest of Ephesians chapter 4, I would encourage you to read it. But it talks about... Um, you know, as we're on this journey, as we're people, helping people to serve people, it's important that we live holy. To put off the old self and to live a way that glorifies and honors God. I can't do that apart from Him. But we are all fully able to live holy lives, to step away from sin, to step away from those things that enslave us and bind us, to find freedom through the power of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit works and He moves. He's the breath of God that gives life. He breathes life into His body. He's the power of God that again empowers us, empowers us to do His will. Look, we can try and white knuckle our way out of sin and it won't work. What He's looking for is surrender. And that's what He's desiring for all of us to just say, God, here. Yeah, this feels a little uncomfortable because I've been fighting this for a long time knowing that, that it's not right. All he's asking to do is bring it to him. Surrender. Let him set you free. In verse 30 of Ephesians chapter 4, we're told not to grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let's not push him away. Let's invite the Holy Spirit in. Let's invite him in to give us the gifts that he desires, to use us in the way that he desires, to flow through us, God working through us, for, with, and loving one another. So Paul goes on in the next chapter. I want to share these three verses with you. Chapter 5, verse 1, he says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, 
just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Follow God's example as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love as Christ has loved. He's calling us to lay our lives down, know that, that we will receive resurrection power from him. And then later in verse 20, he makes this beautiful statement that this is the only way it works. The spiritual gifts imparted to the body submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We need to give honor to one another. We need to celebrate the differences. We need to embrace the fact that we are called to work together, working for, with, and loving one another. So this is bringing the series to a close, a study in spiritual gifts. But our goal has never been that you would just increase in knowledge. Trust that you have learned and that you've embraced ideas and truths. But ultimately, the desire is that we would be changed, that we would allow those spiritual gifts to become more and more a part of us, to flow through us. And it's, the same, it's surrender. It's about saying, God, here I am. God, I'm a vessel, a channel that you can speak through. I know you're desiring to use your power through me in a way that it's not things that can be attributed to natural talents are wonderful and God uses them, but to do things through my life that can only be credited to you. That's the supernatural, it's the spiritual gifts that God has for every single one of us. So I would like you to give consideration. Are your hands open? Are you yielded to what God is desiring to do in and through your life? Fear can stop us. As I said earlier, fear of the unknown. It's like, yeah, but even when I, when I was surrendering the service to God, you know, last night and this morning, it's like, God, okay, if I give this to you, what are you going to do? Could it be something that I'm not ready for? And you know what he's saying? Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. My way is best. So if fear is hindering, let him who is perfect love cast out your fear. It could be bad experiences. You know, you've seen spiritual gifts used or abused, and it's caused you to put up a wall. Like, as I said, we're not perfect. I can distinctly remember a, a word given over me probably 30 years ago, and it, I wrestled with it, and I had actually sought counsel, and I think a guy missed it. He was a good guy. I really loved the guy, but I think he was wrong, okay? I mean, I wasn't trying to avoid something. It's like, God, speak to me, you know. But I didn't have confirmation in my spirit. But I can say, another person who spoke a word over me a number of years ago, I saw it come, become fulfilled in an incredible way that just said, God, it was you. And it's all fulfilled as I came here, as God led me to here. So don't let abuses stop you from reaching out for spiritual gifts. Don't let them stop you. Because again, we can all make mistakes. We forgive and we move on. But open up your heart and trust the one who is the giver of the gift. But then here's the biggest concern I have for my own life, is that we can learn more, we can embrace more knowledge, but yet sit complacent and do nothing with it. That's my biggest concern, even for me. I I don't want to not move forward. I don't want to embrace truth and sit on it. God's calling us to trust him. Spiritual gifts are not just for today, they are needed today. God has given spiritual gifts to the church that we can do, we can be used as vessels to do things that only he can get the credit for. So what we're going to do, I'm going to just ask you to to bow your heads and just in quietness with God. I want you to just say, God, here's the prayer. Here I am. Here I am. Here I am. I'm a vessel, a conduit. Would you speak through me? 
I'm going to read down through um, a listing of spiritual gifts. And just as I do, as I read, there may be one that kind of just, you know, God speaks something to your heart. Just listen. And uh, it may be something, again, that God, uh, God has for you this morning. God, we thank you that you have given gifts to your body, that they are of you, they're spiritual gifts. God, we thank you that you've given to the body the gift of administration, exhortation, giving, leadership, mercy, serving, apostleship, prophecy, evangelism, pastor, teacher, faith, healing, miracles, tongues, interpretation of tongues, discernment, knowledge, wisdom. God, we thank you that you've given these gifts to your church, that we can build one another up. God, that we can be equipped together to serve others, that all may come to know you. God, I thank you for every individual in this place. Thank you for the giftings that you've placed within them. God, most of all, Lord, I want to thank you for each one who is simply saying, God, here I am. God, even if there isn't a specific gift right now, God, I thank you that there's this willingness that just says, God, here I am. I'm yielded to you. I'm trusting you. God, speak and your servant will listen. God, I thank you, Lord, that you are overall, that you're through all, you're in all. We thank you, God, that right now we are surrounded by you. God, that your spirit, Lord, is, is working in and among us. God, help us to hear and respond, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Would you please stand as we turn our hearts to him again in song.